And this morning, we're dealing with the landmine of addiction. Addiction. And addiction is something that the church doesn't talk altogether too much about. Number one, because many times within the church, it is easy for the church just to uh, demonize the wrongs that we see. And so we see someone addicted to a certain behavior or to a certain substance. And right away, it's easy for the church as a whole to say, well, you know, that's your problem. You got yourself into that and now you are paying the due consequences of wrong behavior. But if we're really honest with ourselves this morning, and if we have a robust understanding of who we are before we come to know Christ, that is that we are sinners, depraved in our sinful thoughts and, and actions, then we will come to recognize that we are very quick and we are prone to addictions of all kinds. Because at the heart of it, an addiction is a form of idolatry. Taking something of this world and making it um, on par with God. And, and we can find all manner of addictions, all manner of idols that we use to substitute the place that God is to have in our lives. Now, when you come to know Christ, you would think your life of addictions would be over. That now that you have Christ, you're addicted to Him and, and you've fallen in love with Him and you're devoted to Him. And so you don't have time, you don't have energy, you don't have space in your life to be addicted to anything else. But I want you to know that type of thinking is simplistic and reductionistic at best. Because what we need to recognize is as though we have been set free uh, from the punishment and set free from um, the power over sin, we recognize that that power of sin still has a sway in our lives and that we need to be saying no to it each and every day. And quite frankly, if we're honest, we don't do a very good job at times of saying no to those things. And so when we start saying yes to particular sins and allow them to become habits and allow them to become um, areas in our lives that continue to be fed and grow as a result, addictions begin to take hold. Now, as we talk each and every week, I do a bit of a disclaimer because these are big issues. And if you think that I can address, even in one of my long sermons, the ability to address each of these things, uh, then you don't understand the topic that is before you. I've got a short amount of time, especially this morning, to address a very deep and a very sensitive subject matter. But I want you to recognize I'm not trying to do it in a general sense, but a pastoral sense. I want to look and understand it from a spiritual thing, uh, a spiritual side, not just a general one. And so if you believe you've got an addiction that uh, there's some physiological uh, natures to it, then go talk to a doctor. I would commend that upon you. If you need ongoing help with regards to it, then I would tell you to find a good Christian counselor who can help you walk through those things. But what I want to do is talk to the people I love, the church I'm called to serve, as your pastor, and say, God wants you to find victory from your addictions. Jesus wants to set you free from the addictions that wage war in our lives. But to be able to find that victory, we've got to understand what we're dealing with. Now, the Bible doesn't talk a lot about addictions. I'll get to where it does use the phrase. In fact, it uses the phrase only once in all of the New Testament. Uh, but there's a passage in Scripture where the Apostle Paul seems to speak to this idea of not doing the things you want to do and the things you don't want to do, you do. 
to be honest with you, that kind of sounds like the predicament of any addict. The things he doesn't want to do, he finds himself doing, and the things that he wants to do, he has difficulty doing. In fact, in Romans chapter 7, let's just turn there for a moment, because we'll use that as kind of a springboard for our discussion on addiction. And then I want to look at Luke chapter 4, verse chapter 4 verse 18 in a moment as well we're going to learn that we can be set free from this by the power of Jesus Christ but in Romans chapter 7 starting in verse 18 Paul says this for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is my flesh for I have the desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out for I do not do the good I want But the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? That that prayer could be prayed by so many addicts all over the world. And, And Paul gives the answer. Aren't you so thankful that Paul doesn't just address the problem with no solution? In verse 25 he says, But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's the answer. He's the one who can rescue me from the addiction. And I want you to know this morning, whatever you're struggling with, whether you want to identify it as an addiction or some pet sin that you have, Jesus this morning is the ultimate answer to that problem. He's the one who came. And we're going to learn in Luke 4.18, He is the one who set the prisoner free. And so this morning, I want to understand addiction through the lens of Scripture and to be able to recognize what it is and what it isn't, and then to understand how we got there and then figure out how we can find deliverance from it. So let's turn our attention to that. Let me tell you a story first of all. One day a man walked into a doctor's office in incredible pain. And he said to the doctor, doctor, I'm hurting all over. And he says, really, all over? He says, yes, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And the doctor says, show me. And so he says, listen, my head hurts all the time. Look, and he touches his head and he goes, ow. And he says, my chest hurts. Look, ow. And he says, what about your side? He says, yeah, when I touch here, man, it hurts so bad. How about your knee? Oh, yeah, ow, it hurts. And even your feet, and he bends down. And I'm not going to try because I had a hard time in the first service bending down. But he touched his feet, and he gave this big yelp. And he says, doctor, it's terrible, isn't it? It's terminal. I hurt all over. My body must be dying as I speak. What is it, doctor? What's causing me so much pain that would hurt my entire body in such a way? He says, your body is fine. It's your broken finger we need to fix. Some of you are still figuring that out. Addiction is a lot like that. One thing, one little thing, like a broken finger, can cause the whole body your whole life to suffer. 
For some this morning, you are dealing with your addiction and you've given excuses for why you need it. You're living a hard life or, or, or you need it as a way to cope and get through the, the daily grind of life. Maybe you're doing it in isolation right now. Maybe nobody knows it that a Christian like you would be engaged in the activity or the thing that you're involved in. Well, I want you to know God knows it and what God longs for you is for you and I to find freedom. Freedom from that. Because while addictions advertise fulfillment and contentment and peace and joy, they always leave you hungry for more. But the problem is, is it begins little by little to bring more and more shame and more and more dysfunction and more and more disarray in your everyday life. So how do we fix this problem of addictions? Number one, let's define it. Let's define uh, this thing called addiction. When we talk about addiction, what do we mean? I mean, we talk about that we're addicted to things. I remember as a young uh, teenage boy listening to Robert Palmer uh, tell us, might as well face it, you're addicted to love. Well, some of you listened to good music back in the day. You're addicted to love. That can't be a bad thing. To be addicted to love, that, that sounds wonderful. That, that sounds like something that's worth going after. And we talk about our addictions. And we talk about them a bit tongue-in-cheek. Really, can they be that bad? I mean, the things that we find ourselves addicted to, they're not causing any trouble. They're not causing us any consternation. It really can't be that bad. Well, the dictionary defines... Addiction as the following. A surrender of oneself, a surrender of oneself to something habitually and obsessively. It's a surrender of oneself to something habitually and obsessively. So I want you to recognize great definition. And here's the reason why. Because at the heart of every addiction is a surrender. You and I, when we are addicted to something, we have said to such thing, whatever it is, I give you ownership into my life. I'm surrendering, I'm putting up the white flag, and I'm saying, you're in charge, I no longer am. And so we can't blame our addictions on someone else or something else. It is a surrender of ourselves. It's a cognizant decision that is made where we say, I'm giving myself over to you. You're going to take the reins. Now, it is something that it's going to be done in a habitual manner over and over and over again. So this is not a one-off thing. This isn't something that we fall into, never to do it again. We can't point to that one time we get messed up and it never happens again. Well, that was an addiction. But it's something that when we stop doing it habitually or in the time that we're not doing it, we're obsessing about it, we're thinking about it, we're dreaming about it, um, we're, we're ch- changing our schedule to make sure that everything is in place so that we're able to get to it as soon as... We are able. And so, again, we haven't talked about what it is. We'll talk about it in a moment, but a good opening definition. But let's define it biblically. Biblically. Like I said, uh, the word addicted in the King James Version of the Bible happens once in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians Corinthians chapter uh, 16 
Uh, you got to look it up here. Verse 15, we are told that Stephanus and his household were addicted to the ministry of the saints. What an addiction. They loved serving people. Look at those addicts. They serve, they care, they minister, they address the needs of those around them. They are service addicts. What a great addiction. Now, so here, in the Bible, the Bible speaks about being addicted in a positive sense. It's spoken of positively. And it's kissing cousin, the word that is used here, the kissing cousin of it, is the idea of being devoted or having a devotion to it. Now this is really important. Because what you're going to see is the spiritual reality that comes into play. Because at the heart of it, God wants you addicted to things. He wants you devoted to things. But it is the things that we choose to be addicted with that put us in opposition to God. So what are some of the things that God wants us addicted and devoted to? Well, to Him. And to His Word. And to prayer. And to holiness. And to the ministry of one another and to the fellowship of one another. Be devoted to one another out of brotherly love. These are the things that if you go back to the definition, in fact, go back to our practical definition for me, Jeff, uh, on the screen. These are the things we need to be surrendering ourselves to. That we should be doing habitually and obsessively. These should be a part of our human life and existence to devote ourselves and dedicate ourselves and addict ourselves to the purposes and person of God. And that's what God wants. And God says when we become addicted to Him, when we become devoted to Him, we're not going to have a hangover as we get more of God. In fact, the psalmist says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He wants us to feast on Him. He wants us to meditate on Him. He wants us to make it our habit and our obsession to love our Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the addiction God wants us to have. But because we are sinners... Because we all, like sheep, have gone astray, each of us going our own way, we have said, no, God, I don't want to be addicted to the God of the universe who is omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent. I don't want to be a part of the Creator God's world and relationship with Him. No, I would far rather, listen, this is really important, Instead of seeing you as altogether supreme and the greatest treasure that I can pursue, I'd rather find happiness in the bottom of a bottle. I would rather find happiness with a puff off of a cigarette. I would rather find my contentment uh, in a bottle of pills. I would rather find it in technology and entertainment. I would rather find it in sex and lust. I would rather find it in all manner of things than to treasure you, God, above all else because at the heart of it addiction is a devotion of heart to something God wants our devotion and quite frankly because of his position he frankly should demand it 
And so we turn to other things. So no negatively, how does the Bible define it? Well, the Bible gives us some different words. It doesn't use uh, the word addicted, but it uses other words. It tells us about sin, that when we pursue the appetites of the fleshly nature, we're taken captive, that is taken prisoner. We are, we are bound up. We are no longer free and, and able to go where we want and do what we want to do. But now the sinful appetite that we are uh, craving and now indulging in is now taking us prisoner. It's taking us to jail. We are told in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 that we become enslaved to it. And so now we're doing what it's telling us we need to do. It's, it's leading us and guiding us. We are no longer in charge, but now the appetite, the thing, is taken control. We are told in Matthew 6.24 that an addiction is serving a master. Jesus says, listen, and this is where Jesus does a great job of communicating this idea of devotion to him or devotion to something else. He says, you can't serve two masters. You're either going to be devoted to one, and you're going to hate the other. And so this idea is, is that we've got to make a choice this morning. Are we going to allow the addictions of this world to be our master, to rule and reign over us, to tell us what we're going to do or not do, or are we going to serve and honor God and seek Him and His kingdom first, And allow God then to fill us with all the good things that he promises to fill us with. Finally, it's spoken of as debauchery or dissipation in other translations in Ephesians 5.18. And this idea is is that we can't get enough, that we gorge ourselves over and and over again, trying to fill ourselves with something that never quite does the trick. Just one more drink. This will be the last time I go to that website. This will be the last time I'll fall into that harmful behavior. This is it. Because once I'm done with it, this will be the last time I'm going to need it. Because I'm going to turn a new leaf and I'm going to do what is right. And the Bible speaks of all of these things. And it says this kind of living is foolish living. This kind of living brings you into bondage. This type of living steals your joy. This type of living gives you no peace. This type of living will cause you to to wonder if there really is a God because you won't experience Him day in and day out. This kind of living is the kind of living God says we are to flee from under all circumstances. But can I be honest with you this morning? That's easier said than done, right? Paul even seems to have this struggle where he's saying, Man, the things I want to do, I, I, I don't want to be taken captive. I don't want to be enslaved. I don't want to serve another master. I don't want to be living a life of debauchery. And the things that I dedicate myself not to do, he says, and I just love his transparency, that's what I find myself being gravitating towards. I don't want that. I want to be devoted I want to love the Lord God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And yet that that I want, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. And he responds, what a wretched man am I. 
Brothers and sisters, we are a wretched people. We are a broken people. We are a foolish people. And we need God in our lives because without it, we're in trouble. Eugene Peterson, in the message translation or paraphrase of the Bible, uh, takes our text and he says the following. I think it's really good. He says, For if I know the law, but still can't keep it, And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something's gone wrong deep inside within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin's there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything, and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Doesn't that, don't you hear the heart of an addict? I don't want to do this. It's ruining my life. But I don't seem to get anywhere. Well, now that we've defined it, let's dissect it for a moment. Let's dissect it. As we dig into this struggle and understand what it is and where it comes from and the existence it plays in our lives, we need to ask the question, well, what does it involve? Let's deal with the substances. What are the substances? Now, I've addressed already some of them, but addiction can be, as I said, as idolatry can, it can be anything. We are really good at becoming addicted to all manner of things. We can make addictions out of almost any element of our life. But let's talk about some of the big ones. Probably the most, the largest addiction in our, in our country today is the addiction of alcoholism that is addicted to too much beer or wine or, or a liquor. How about drugs? We have an illicit drug problem in our world right now and in our country. Drugs in our streets, drugs in our schools. We have drugs all over the place. What about prescription drugs? Started with a need to take them, to ease the pain, to take care of the symptoms of, a, of, a, of an issue or sickness that you were dealing with, and now you can't shake it. What about things like cigarettes, vaping? Those are lesser, they're more socially acceptable, but it's still a problem. How about TV and entertainment? It's amazing, we come up with words, not, I think it was five or six years ago, they added a word to our vernacular, and it was the vernacular or term binge-watching. And so we've added addictive terms to how we live. Well, what are you going to do at home tonight? I'm just going to binge on Netflix. Well, what does that mean? I'm going to sit for hours and consume entertainment 
and numb myself into a non-existent life, into a fantasy world of the show or shows I'm watching. How about shopping? How about our phones or our technology? I recently was in the grocery store where a teenager had their phone taken away from them without them knowing. They had set it down for a moment in the cart, and I was grabbing some things off of the shelf, and, and the young person said, Mom, I can't live without it. And I watched the young person, and they were shaking. I can't live without it. And the withdrawals were already starting to kick in. And you laugh, you say, well, that's the teenagers, you know, that's their problem. But how often have you backtracked miles, minutes of your day, because you left your phone on the counter? Can't live without it. We are lost without this technology. And our addiction shows in every study that tells us the amount of screen time that we have in a day blows away almost, almost to the T what we do in sleeping. We've got a problem. How about food? Finding ourselves just binging upon food for comfort, food for uh, to take away the pain, the sorrow. On the flip side, there are those that say, well, I don't binge on food, but you binge on exercise. Where exercise becomes your God and, and you're addicted to it. And if you don't get that, and now that exercise is bad, now that food is bad. But this is an, a, something that you have to do habitually and something that you obsess over and get over your control. How about work? You fall in love with that, that project and you turn away family and friends. Can I, can I tell you? I've got friends in the ministry that have poured themselves into ministry and have nearly lost their family because they've been addicted to their jobs more than the service of their families. This one will get me fired. Coffee. What we'll spend on it. How much we have to consume. And we say, listen, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. That's a problem. Right? What about gambling? Something about watching a baseball game when you got some money on it. The thrill, it's almost as if you're actually playing the game. How about the issue of sex and pornography? One in four internet searches, 25%, billions of searches each and every day. Or to view pornography, you think we're addicted to the stuff? How about self-harm? You see, I could go on and on. It's 31 flavors, my friend. It's like walking into Baskin Robbins. You'll find a flavor you like. Just give it time. They'll offer it to you. There are addictions of every kind. And if we're really honest with one another, each of us have our go-to addiction. Each of us have them. If we're really honest, where does it come from? Where does it come from? Well, at the heart of it, Paul says it comes from the flesh. That is the remnants of uh, the unregenerate man that longs to be number one. That says the body and the flesh and its appetites and desires is number one. So it says feed me and take care of me and pleasure me and all of this stuff. And God says, no, 
I'm number one, not you. But as a redeemed individual, we still have these bodies of flesh amongst us. And, and our struggle is, is that the human heart is deceitful. Who can understand it? And so everything about us says, I need to be taken care of. I need to be pleasured. I need to be all of these different things. And so when opportunity comes for us to fill those things, we then jump after them. But let's talk more specifically. How did I get the addiction that I have? How did I fall into it? Let me introduce some friends to you today. Let me introduce you first of all to Born With It Bernie. Born With It Bernie. I tried to come up with all different kinds of names that hopefully I wouldn't say any of the people that are here. So if you're one of the names, I'm sorry. It is not uh, being done on purpose, all right? But as we study human anatomy, as we're able to explore the brain, what we're learning is, is that people respond differently to the word stop. And so they did a study recently in a lab where they had everybody hooked up to these brain scans and they were able to watch the brain function. And Bernie got his brain all hooked up to this thing and they started offering them different things. And people would enjoy it, whether it was food or whether it was um, things like cigarettes or drinking and, and all of that. And, and they would get to enjoy it. It's good, it's good, it's good. And then the individual says, we're done. And most of the brains of the individual lit up in a certain way, but Bernie's didn't. Bernie said, more. I want more. I need more. For some of us this morning, for whatever reason, God has allowed our minds, our brains, our body to function in such a way that we don't live within bounds all too well. I have a wife, she is a wife that lives in the fences. No problem, doesn't even get near the fences, okay? I plow through fences. So when Amanda and I are enjoying a good time or doing whatever, and someone says, all right, we're done, she's like, oh, that was great. What a wonderful time. I'm like, more. I need more. And she doesn't get me. She's like, what's your problem? Just stop. And I'm like, I don't know what stop means. Can I tell you as a pastor, I will never get in trouble for playing it safe. Wow, Tim, you know, you really need to take some risks. No, I'm always ahead of my skis. And maybe some of you are there. And what I want you to know is this doesn't take away your culpability. What it means, you got to be all the more cognizant that, listen, there's part of you that maybe is going to want to do things that you know you shouldn't. And so there are things that I don't do. I don't think drinking is a bad thing in moderation. But I don't touch drinks because here's the thing. I don't understand the concept of just having one drink. I don't. And so I'm just going to stay away from it. I'm just going to just flee from that because it doesn't do me any good because I have a hard enough time with saying no to food, let alone an intoxicating drink. And when things are good, I don't want to have to say, well, I'm going to stop. So I'm just not going to start in the first place. Just not going there because I know what that appetizer is going to do for me. 
That causes me to look at movies that I'm going to watch because I know how my, my body thinks. I know how my mind thinks. I'm not going to allow myself to go into uh, movies and situations where, where it's all it's going to do is be an appetizer where I know I want to go. And I don't want to go there, so I'm just going to stop it at the gate. And so Bernie recognizes, well, I might have a percept, uh, um, uh, a preoccupation or a proclivity to this issue of addiction, I'm going to try to do all I can to steer clear of it. That's born with it burning. Some of you don't struggle with that. And I'm so very thankful that when you hear stop, you're able to stop. And it's a great grace that you have. So don't, don't ever forget that. And don't judge people too harshly when they don't respond as you do. Number two, there's observe it Oliver. And Oliver learned from a very young age about addiction. Whether it was smoking or drinking or drugs or eating. He watched mom and dad do it. And he saw mom and dad do it. And as a little boy, he learned that that was how you lived with life. And so I, I had a friend who, who struggles with alcoholism. And, and he knows why he struggles with alcoholism. Because he watched his granddad drink when he got home. In a good day, bad day, granddad drink. And then he watched dad, good day, bad day, uh, uh, times of triumph, times of tragedy, go to the bottle. And so my friend has been uh, taught over and over again that the way you deal with life, the way you address life is through uh, the form of a bottle. And some of you have addictions today and you look and we call these generational sins because what it is is it's going and being passed from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. And it's taught, it's taught whether we like it or not as parents, which should remind us as parents to get our addictions under control because the addictions, listen to me, that we play with will be the addictions that plague our children. Did you hear me? The addictions that you play with will be the addictions that plague your children. And we need to recognize that because we have a great responsibility. The Bible says, be very, very careful. Uh, cursed is the man who leads a little one astray. It would be better that you tie a millstone around his head and throw him into the deepest sea. Because it's no good. And so observe it, Oliver learned it from somebody. And maybe this morning you've learned it from somebody. It doesn't take away your culpability. It just says how you got there. How about coping Carla? Carla's struggling with life. Work stinks. Relationships are on the rocks. And she longs to feel good. She longs to be happy. But she can't find it in life. So what does she do? She turns to food. She turns to TV. And she said, life at work stinks. My love life stinks. So I'll go to the Hallmark Channel, the Lifetime Channel, and I'll watch what real love looks like. And I'll live vicariously through that, and I'll binge myself on, on that kind of viewership because that's what's going to make me feel good. And if I can't find it in real life, then what I'll do is I'll find it in a fake life, and that's how I'm going to cope. Maybe some of you this morning are dealing with trying to cope with life by allowing addictions to take root. My final friend has tried it and liked it, Tito. Tito's addiction wasn't something he was looking for. 
He was totally happy with life. He was minding his own business. And one day, he came upon something. Maybe it was as a young kid. I can't tell you how many men, grown men I've talked with that have the struggle of, of dealing with lust and pornography. And I say, well, where did it all begin for you? Well, I was eight years old. And I was playing hide and seek at my grandpa's house. And I went into a closet. And you know what I found there? A bunch of girly magazines. I wasn't looking for it. But then I was hooked. And I've struggled with it ever since that day. And I didn't go in looking, how can I become an addict? How can I saddle myself with all of this garbage? I fell upon it. Or maybe it was, you know, I was in high school, and I was offered a drink. And I tried it. And boy, there was something that hit me when it went down the gullet. Or I'd say I'd just take, I'd take one, one drag of that drug, one sniff of that drug, one take of that pill. I'll do it once. I'll tell you what, man, it changed my life. Who would have thought that I would have found myself dying without it? This is what Jesus talks about when he tells us how to pray. And he says in the Lord's Prayer, That we should be praying, Lord, lead me not into temptation. You see, our prayer should be, Lord, you know who your child is. You know what I struggle with. Can you steer me clear from that stuff in my life today? Because I know that if I see that, I know if I smell that, I know if I um, am around that, that I'm going to really struggle to stay obedient. It's going to really be difficult. Last year, I I participated in a fast um, for some things I was praying through as a pastor and as a dad and and all of that, and (laughs) didn't eat. I didn't eat for quite a long time. I know it's hard to tell from the physique, but I didn't eat for quite a time. And you know what the hardest struggle was? I was driving, my, my biggest struggle was driving on Randall Road one day. It was a beautiful summer day. And I drove by Portillo's. And I'm sitting at the stop sign next to the Portillo's. And I'm dying. And every part of me said, get it. It's good. And we need to recognize that there are things in our lives, whether we know them or not, that could be triggers to addictions that could ruin our lives. So be very, very careful. The Bible says, listen, all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. So just because it's there doesn't mean you got to go after it. Just because it's offered doesn't mean you need to say yes. Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean you need to experiment with it. We need to recognize that there's a reason why God says don't to a lot of things, because it's for our good and it's for His glory. And so my friends are here to help you recognize that you came into addiction probably through a lot of different avenues, and yet, no matter how you got there, the end result is the same. You're enslaved, you're held captive, and little by little, taste by taste, drag by drag, drink by drink, you're allowing your life to be destroyed. So what do we do? What a wretched man we are, right? What a wretched woman we are. 
We need help. So I don't have much time left, but let's get delivered from it. What hope do we have? Jesus. In Luke 4.18, Jesus says, in the reading of the scroll of that day in the temple, He says that this scripture is being uh, fulfilled in your reading. And what is He saying? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus came, listen addict, Jesus came to set you and me free. To set us free from the bondage of sin and addiction and the fleshly appetites of this world. He has come to set us free and to give us new desires and new wants and new affections and new appetites for the things of Him and His kingdom. But in order to move from our addiction to His kingdom living, some things need to take place. And I'm not going to invest a lot of time here, but in your time of study, you can discern these for yourself. Number one, We've got to fess up to it. We've got to fess up to it. In Alcoholics Anonymous, you cannot participate in uh, the group discussion until you articulate two truths. Your name and that you're an alcoholic. Hi, my name is Tim and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Tim. Now you can talk. Now listen, I don't agree with everything with regards to Alcoholics Anonymous. I think it's a great program for many. I'm glad that they put a desire to pursue a higher power. I just believe in the highest power. Okay? But what if the church was to do that? What if the church is to say, Hi, well, welcome to Village Bible Church. My name's Tim and we articulated our addiction. Well, number one... Any hypocrisy would be gone. There's no hypocrisy in an AA meeting. We're all a bunch of alcoholics here. And in the church, we're all a bunch of sinners. And if we would own up that we're sinners and addicted to our sin, then and only then might the Spirit of the living God have some sway in our lives. Notice, you cannot be set free, Jesus says in Luke 4.18, until you recognize, first of all, you're a captive. So what's your addiction this morning? What is it that you're habitually and obsessing over that keeps you from a right relationship with God? Call it, name it, declare it so that you stop making excuses for it. Number two, if that addiction is keeping you from real and true satisfaction, where do you find it? You find satisfaction in your Savior. Jesus wants to set you free. And what he wants to do is he wants to give you the things that you've been looking for. He wants to fill you with the things that you find lacking in your life. And so turn to him and say, God, I don't want to find it in the bottle anymore. I want to find it in you and you alone. Far too many of us are trying to reduce our, our addictions through ourselves. Try hard, fail. Try hard, fail. And we've never given it to Jesus and say, Jesus, you are the one who sets me free. I cannot free myself. Number three, turn to a faithful friend. Who knows about your addiction? Addictions are things we hold on the inside. We keep quiet. But the New Testament tells us that real Christian friendship is a friend who's able to bear your burden and carry it with you. Who can pray with you, who can encourage you, 
who can hold you accountable and who can come and rescue you when you have fallen. Who is that individual? You want to find victory over it? You can't do it alone. Number four, get ready for a fight. Get ready for a fight. I love the stories where I hear someone comes to know Jesus and whatever they were struggling with, whatever their addiction was, it like miraculously and instantaneously is gone. I I got her permission to share this, so I don't want you to think I'm a bad husband. But when I started dating Amanda when we were 18 years of age, Amanda was a non-believer. And I'd fallen in love with her. We started dating. And uh, one thing I didn't like about Amanda, and you're not going to believe it. You're just going to have to take my word for it. She cursed like a sailor. Okay? Every word was a bad word in her vocabulary. She used it as nouns, adjectives, verbs, pronouns, you name it. Okay? And I remember thinking, this drives me nuts. A lot of times because she would use those with me. And I still loved her, right? Glutton for punishment. And then she came to know Jesus. And I kid you not, from that moment she came to know Jesus, I have not heard her utter a bad word. She's been set free. And maybe this morning, by the power of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you've given it to Jesus and you should praise God. He has set you free. What God has set free is free indeed. Praise God. But let's also be realistic. The power of sin is strong. Amen? And some of us today, we've been walking with Jesus for a long time, and this is where your pastor's at. I have walked with Jesus for now a long, long time. I know better, and the things that I don't want to do are the things I find myself doing. And so you've got to fight it. And the way that you destroy addictions is you strangle it. So stop playing with it. Strangle it. It's a snake in your life. What do you do with a snake? You stomp on it and you do everything in your power to keep that snake from getting out from under your heel. So be ready for a fight. A fight that will probably go for the entirety of your life. But here's the thing. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can find victory. The final thing, and I would be remiss not to say it, is that we need to continually be filled with the Spirit. We need to be continually filled with the Spirit. This is the greatest antidote. Because here's the thing, uh, Paul says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. There is this direct correlation. Instead of being addicted to drink, be addicted to the Spirit of God and allow yourself, be habitual and obsessive about being continually filled with the Spirit. And here's the thing, when we are filling ourselves with the good things, we begin to push out any capacity we have for the addicting things in our lives. So I go back to the devotion thing of God. If we were truly, fully, um, and wholly devoted to the things of God, then the addictions of this world would begin to be strangled out little by little. The songwriter says this, uh, he says, when I look into... Um, the face of Jesus. The writer says the following. The things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. 
So as we fill ourselves with the glory and grace of Almighty God, the desires, the appetites, the addictions of this world, my friends, will grow strangely dim in comparison to Jesus. So fill yourself with good things. And give yourself wholly to the things of God. And will it eradicate your addiction? Probably not. But little by little, step by step, moment by moment, you will see victory come instead of defeat, despair, and destruction.